Let's just raise our hands to him as we're singing this. Father God, this morning as we come into the house of God, we say thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. We say thank you, Jesus, for all you're going to do. Today, Father, we choose to posture ourselves in a way of honoring you and loving you for all that you've done in our lives. And Father, right now I can think of so many things that you've done in my journey, and I say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you glory this day. We're going to go back into worship in a minute here. We want to welcome you all to Spruce Grove Community Church. If you're visiting today, a special welcome to you. We're glad you're with us. We hope today will be a blessing to you. We hope today will be a blessing to everybody. But I just want to read something to you. I was reading something this week before we go back into worship. Anybody heard of Rick Warren? I'm sure some of you have heard of Rick Warren. He wrote a book called Purpose Driven Church, and I've had it for years, and I just started going through it again. And I was reading something, and I thought it was worth mentioning today before we go back into worship. And he actually just gives five keys just to strengthen a church. And he talks about churches grow warmer through fellowship. Churches grow deeper through discipleship. Churches grow broader through ministry. Churches grow larger through evangelism. And the last one he says is this. Churches grow stronger through worship. Do we agree with that? Churches grow stronger through worship. Why? Because as we draw close to the Father, He draws close to us. So that is our heart today. Regardless of where you're at in your journey, it doesn't matter if you're doing great or if you're just having a bad week, I can guarantee you this, that if we draw closer to the Father, He will draw closer to us. That is His promise. So this morning, let's honor Him in worship. Can we do that today? Let's do that today. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we say you are a good God. We say your promises are amazing. We know that you will take care of us. We know that you will guide us. We know that you will lead us. In fact, regardless of where we're at, we can already say thank you to you because we know you're a good God. Let's worship him. We're, um, I, I feel like this morning there's, there's a pursuit is that I, I think sometimes we forget who we are and we forget who our daddy is. And, and I feel like, like God is always pursuing us regardless of what's going on, regardless of, of the circumstances. God is always pursuing us. He's always chasing us. And I feel like we just need to take a couple more minutes in this. But, but, but if, if you've come this morning and you're dry... You're burned out. You're tired. There's a well. And so if, if you need that this morning, I want to encourage you, like, raise your hands, stand up, sit down, dance, do whatever you have to do, um, because there's a well that, that we can tap into. And God's pursuing us, but it takes, it takes us reaching out to him, too. And so the worship team is just going to sing that over. But, but I just want to encourage you in this last couple minutes, just reach out with everything you have. I, I feel like there's some people in here that when you leave this building today, this needs to continue. That, that our worship and our pursuit of God doesn't stay in this building. Is that when, when you're driving home this afternoon... Sing as loud as you can. This afternoon when you're napping or chasing after screaming children, keep worshiping. Because I feel like God wants to speak into lives. And that God wants to speak into identities and wants to restore identities and restore who we actually are. Okay, so uh, Pastor Chris is speaking this morning. He's going to bring it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this man of God. I, uh, I thank you for, um, for his passion. I thank you for his heart, uh, for his 
just what he carries, his character, his integrity. And God, I just pray that you would speak through him this morning, uh, that you would cut through uh, uh, into our hearts, um, and that we would hear what, what we need to hear. And so, God, I just bless him. Thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Paul. It was interesting. As we were worshiping, I had uh, just this vision during the service. And uh, I, you know, especially at the end, this whole thing on he will make a way. And how many of you believe that? Okay. It's kind of important that you believe that. Because we have those moments where that doubt, that fear that we sang about all wants to creep into our mind and into our heart. But somewhere in there, we have to choose to bypass that stuff and not allow that stuff to take root in our heart because that stuff does want to take root. How many know that? Uh, It's true, right? We know that. It wants to take root. And unfortunately for some of us, it's taken some root. And so we need to declare that. So I know we sang it for a long time. There's a reason we sang it for a long time because we need to declare that until we actually believe that, that he will make a way. That's who he is. In fact, this morning, and I don't know who this is for, but I, I, it's for all of us, I believe, but I literally saw uh, just this picture, and I don't get pictures a lot. Uh, how many of you get pictures and stuff? You just see things, dreams and all that stuff. That's cool. I don't get that too much. Are you wearing, oh, he's wearing a Canada hat. I would thought he was wearing a Calgary Flames hat. I was going to say, you're going to have to take that off while I preach. That just won't work. But, <laughs> but I just had this vision of God literally right now. I saw Jesus right there. And I saw him building a bridge to each one of you. It's clear as day. I saw it. That bridge was right there. It was right in front of you. In fact, there were no obstacles in the way at all. Zero obstacles. The bridge was right there. And what it really came down to was this. You making that choice, that decision, that I'm actually going to go straight to the Father because that's the only place that matters, right? The only place that matters. So I believe that this morning, that uh, for some in this room right now, you need to know that. I, I feel like God was saying to you right now, there is a bridge. It is available. I am there for you. I want to meet you. I want to touch you. I want to shift your circumstances. I want to remove that fear. I want to remove that doubt, right, where it seems like it is a dry land. He wants to bring life because that's who he is. Amen? Is that who he is? I think that's who he is. He's a good God. Darlene, you're in here. Okay. You know, I want you to, can you come up real quick and share what you shared with me? Do you remember what you shared with me? Is it still there? Come on up real quick. There's a reason why I want her to do this. She, there were a lot of really good words that were presented today, but she shared this today, and then I just want to tell you what my message is. When the Lord said, uh, um, I have food that you don't know of, and there's a drawing from another source that we're learning to do, so from the outside, it seems like a fast, but he's teaching us to draw from the stream and from another food within us, which is Christ. Amen. Thanks for doing that. So the title of my message today is, What Source Are You Drawing From? Or What Source Are You Connected To? Right? So I think God has an amazing sense of humor. And uh, when he wants to speak something, he's going to speak something. Uh, but before we get there, I just feel there's two other things I wanted to f- just touch on. Uh, I felt this this week, and I think as a body, we just need to, uh, I don't know if we'll pray into it this morning or not, but I felt like we're in a new phase. Anybody feel that way? I just feel like we're in a new phase, that something is about to shift, something is about to change, um, and the words, again, that kept coming to me was, I already prayed this, but this sense of training, equipping, and releasing And I feel like we're in a phase where God wants to release the body to do his work. Do you agree with that? I feel like we're actually in that phase where God is saying, it's time. It's time. It's time. And it's time. We spend a lot of time training. We spend a lot of time equipping. But the next phase is the releasing. And I feel like God is saying that the release needs to take place. The release needs to take place. Um, the second thing I felt um, is I feel like a new revival's coming. Anybody excited about revival? Yeah. But I feel it's going to be different, right? Like, I don't know what your vision of revival is and stuff like that. You know, I've been to the Brownsville revivals and all those things, and so, you know, when everybody shows up at church and they're there, you know, I don't know, six hours early and they're lining up down the streets and all that, I, I'm not going to say that's not going to happen. 
you know, and the things of the Spirit are moving in the church and all that stuff. I'm not going to say that's not going to happen. You know, people are getting healed, restored, all that stuff. I'm not going to say any of that's not going to happen. I think that's going to happen. But I think there's one additional thing that's actually really going to happen in this one, and I feel it's this, is love is going to be the center of the next revival. Yeah. You hear that? I feel like love is going to be the center of the next revival. In fact, the word says this again, that they will know him by our love for one another. Right? I, I don't want a, a two-week revival. I don't want a two-month revival. Right? Even though I'll take it, right? If souls are getting saved and people's lives are being transformed, you know, but I want continual change. Sh- something that completely shifts in our hearts. Right? A love that goes way beyond, right? And I feel that love is the next step. It needs to come in. I feel like we're going to love each other, and we're going to walk in a way that we've never walked before. And the first step is this. We need to commit to that in our heart. Because you can't just flip the switch on. Maybe some of you can, but I feel like the first step is actually committing to that in our heart and then training ourselves to do it and drawing closer and closer to the Father day by day, moment by moment, so that we can actually love the way that he's calling us to love. And I feel like it's going to branch out beyond just a church, right? That's the way it should be, right? I don't want it just here at Community Church, right? I want this all over the place. I want this at every church. I want it at the Alliance Church down the road. I want it at the Baptist Church. I want this everywhere, right? And so I do want to share with you that uh, something, again, I've given you an update more so, because I've talked to you about uh, that us as pastors, we get together at the end of each month on a Wednesday. And uh, the last time uh, I shared with you that we had all got together, and, and uh, Graham English from uh, Stony Plain Alliance just actually posed a couple questions. And his questions were, you know, what are we doing well in the church, and what are we doing poorly? And, man, we had a list of things we were doing poorly. And a couple of the things that topped that list was outreach and evangelism, right? That probably was number one on the list. Number two was this, unity. We don't have the unity. We're constantly in our own places doing our own things. And so we made a decision that day to try to pursue the next step of unity, but we have no clue what that looks like. And this is the pastors in the community, (laughs) right? You know? We want unity, but what does it look like? What's the unity look like? And so we kind of just said, well, let's, uh, let's take a first step here. What's the first step that we can do? And I think I shared this last time that we feel like we need to come together and do something together as churches. And so we made an agreement that we're going to take a day this summer, and we are going to serve the community, right? We have no clue what that looks like yet. We're in the process of figuring out what it looks like. But we're not just talking about Spruce Grove. We're talking about Spruce Grove and Stony Plain. That on one specific day, we want all the churches to participate in serving our community. Just loving the community with no agenda. And so me and Graham met and we started talking a little bit about this and what this would look like. And uh, the one thing I felt is we needed to talk to our mayors. We needed to talk to the city. So I talked to Mayor Stuart Houston a couple weeks ago. And we chatted for probably about, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And he's going to be coming to our pastor's meeting in March. And then Pastor Archie Binney talked to Mayor Choi in Stony Plain, who's going to be coming to our pastor's meeting this, the last Wednesday of February. Amen. And when I talked to Mayor Stewart, my question was this. <laughs> what can we do for you? He said, what? I said, yeah, what can the churches do for you? Well, how many churches? All of them? How many people? I have no clue. No clue at all. What can we do for you? And it happens to be that uh, part of his portfolio is, you know, doing things in the community. And uh, he loves coming behind this. So, I mean, he was just starting to roll. He's like, why don't you guys do a barbecue for the community? We'll book the Jubilee. It's free. We can do all the stuff. You guys as churches can serve a barbecue to the entire community. I'm like, that's great. He goes, and if there's more people, you guys can paint fences. You can do this. You can do that. I mean, he was starting to roll. He had a lot of things on his mind. 
So this is going to happen. I, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to say this. As a church, we need to jump on board with this. It doesn't matter what we're doing. Who cares if we're serving hamburgers or hot dogs or painting fences? That don't matter. What matters is we actually hit the next phase where we're starting to love a community, starting to get to know each other, starting to be together. This is important. And it's going to happen. Amen? So our next phase is this, though, is it's like the once a month thing. That's not enough, though. Like a token once a month, or sorry, once a year thing is not enough, right? So we are in the process of saying what is something we can do once a month as the churches to show this community that we are in unity and that we love. Now, here's the other thing. We're actually talking about doing a Sunday morning on purpose, right? That every church will actually say we're going to put our church service aside for the community. And that night, we want to do a combined service with all the churches. So I'm asking you as a body to start to pray into this because God wants to do something in our community. And I believe that revival is a revival of love, and it's going to be a lasting change, right? And that's what we want, lasting change in community. So to my message, finally, um, what source are you drawing from? All right, let's see if I can do this. It's four guys on an airplane, okay? <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, the pilot, he comes running to the back of the airplane. And he says, the plane's going down. Says, but I got good news. We got four parachutes. And the pilot grabs a parachute and he jumps. Now, of course, the pilot was the fifth man. Then all of a sudden, there's these four guys realizing there's three parachutes left. And so the one guy speaks up, and the one guy says, well, I'm a doctor. I've saved a lot of lives. I've done a lot of good things. This world needs me. So he goes, and he grabs a parachute, and he jumps off the plane. The next guy is, well, he's the smartest man in the world. And the smartest man in the world, he says, well, you know what? I've come up with a ton of inventions. In fact, I'll probably come up with a bunch more. The, The world needs my brain. And so he grabs a parachute, and he jumps, leaving one parachute. Well, the last two people are a pastor and a kid. And the pastor, he looks at the kid, and he says, well, I've lived a long, good life. And uh, I, think, I think you need to take that parachute because you're young, and you need to live a good life. And the kid looks up at the pastor and says, oh, it's okay, pastor. There's two parachutes left. The smartest man in the world grabbed my backpack. <laughs> See, Gord, I didn't announce it either, right? Gord, Gord actually gave me and Pastor Mark some tips this week, right? And he told Mark, he says, you never announce when you're doing a joke. So I didn't announce. I wanted to, but I didn't do it. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that, Gord. Gord comes in now once a week, and he's helping us out with our humor and our jokes, right? Appreciate that, Gord. Um, so again, I, I share that joke because again, what source are you connected to? Right? I mean, are you grabbing that backpack and jumping out the plane? Or are you sure you got the parachute? Right? And I think that's a good question. So are you guys okay if I share a couple stories with you? I like sharing stories. And then, yes, I brought up this wonderful little, uh, whiteboard. How many like, uh, illustrations and stuff like that? Some of you do, okay, I'm going to do one today. It's going to be fun. I'm not doing it quite yet, but I'm just going to get this ready. Um, So I just want to share a couple stories with you. These are just silly things that happen in my family, and I hope in some weird way that I can somehow connect them to where I'm going today. And if I don't do it really well, well, at least you got to hear a good story, right? So the first story I want to share with you was uh, about a time when I was a kid. And uh, I lived in St. Albert. And uh, I must have been about, I don't know, probably in grade six or seven or something like that. And uh, we lived in a little townhouse in uh, St. Albert. So I think we had three bedrooms or something like that. And uh, my grandpa all of a sudden was in transition in his life. And he was working through some stuff. And so my grandpa moved from B.C. to St. Albert into our house. And when he moved into our house, my mom made a decision. And her decision was this. 
she kicked me out of my bedroom. And she gave my bedroom to my grandpa, right? So, you know, I kind of was ticked, and I let my mom know that I was a little bit ticked, right? I didn't say too much to my grandpa, but my grandpa got my bedroom, right? And I'm just going to be honest about it. I wasn't happy about it. And so that was kind of festering inside of me, you know? And then a couple days later, I bring a friend home from school. And it's the first time this guy had come to my house. And uh, his name was Kurt Lazinski. I mean, he was the most popular guy in school, right? And I was so proud. I had this guy come into my house, and we were going to go downstairs, and we were going to play hockey and all this kind of stuff. And so he came to my house. We went in the basement. We must play hockey for hours and hours. And uh, then all of a sudden, his dad knocks on the door to come pick him up. Well, one of the other things about my grandpa is my grandpa loved the bottle. He loved to drink, right? So when he moved into our house, he also bought his bad habits of drinking. Now, he didn't have a beer or two. I mean, when he drank, he drank. And so my grandpa always would drink to the point where he was just drunk. That's just the way it was. And so I remember this day quite clearly. And, and all of a sudden, my buddy's dad knocks on the door. Well, guess who answers the door? Yeah, exactly. My grandpa. And my grandpa found a way to make a complete fool out of himself. I mean, I don't even want to say what he did, but I mean, it was probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life, right? And I just remember inside of me just this anger was building up towards him, right? Just so mad at him for what he's doing, for how he's behaving. I'm like, this guy's never going to come over again. He never did, and I don't blame him, right? But I was so mad at him. And so that night, uh, my mom was making some spaghetti, right? Who likes spaghetti? I like spaghetti, too. My mom makes really, really, really good spaghetti. And uh, she puts a lot of meat in it, right? Got to have a lot of meat in the sauce to have a good spaghetti. So my grandpa, amen, thank you, Ben. So my grandpa, of course, he, uh, he serves himself, you know, and he's got this big pile of food sitting there and all that stuff. But all of a sudden, he gets up and he has to go to the bathroom. Right? And I have this thought go through my mind. There's a whack load of cat food right there. I'm putting it in the spaghetti. Right? And sure enough, I'm waiting for my mom just to go back in the kitchen. And I bend down and I grab that cat food. Right? And I take his fork and I move it and I put that cat food right in it. And I covered it up, no problem. <laughs> right? And I'm just sitting there going, this is going to be the greatest moment of my life, right? Finally, I'm going to get him back. (sighs) My grandpa ate all that cat food and didn't even flinch. He didn't even respond. Nothing. Not a thing, right? I mean, it was just in and in and in and all that. And I'm like, what was that all about? So it totally backfired. But, you know, it's, it's kind of point one of what I want to talk about is I think sometimes, you know, The enemy is so smart. He tricks us. He feeds us this stuff we're singing about, this fear and all this. He feeds it to us constantly. And sometimes it's just like you're saying, right? We have no clue that that's the source we're drawing from. I mean, we're just eating it and eating it and eating it and eating it and have no clue we're eating it. Story two, ready? Because this happens sometimes, too. My sister, how many's got a sister? Come on, I got a sister. I got an older sister. Now, I got an older, vulnerable sister, too, right? And I hope she's watching this. If she watches this, you deserve this. But I love you so much, right? Um, My sister, I mean, she'd fall for everything, right? Now, I know I come across as, what, do I come across as a pretty nice guy? Right? Pretty tame, quiet. (laughs) I've got you all fooled, man. It is so good. I've got you all fooled. I grew up in a redneck family. Most of you don't know that about me, man. I mean, they're as redneck as they can be. Shotguns, guns, the whole thing. Snowmobiles, skidoos. Practical jokes every second day. That's just the way we live and function. Right? And then I married Jen and found out she doesn't like that stuff. So I've tapered down a little bit, right? Our first five years weren't so good, right? I thought it was funny, right? 
whatever. Sorry. So, anyways, we have one Easter. And uh, so we're having Easter, I don't know, I think it was at my aunt and uncle's house here in Spruce Grove. And uh, my sister wasn't there yet because she's always late, right? That's my sister. And so they got all these little Easter eggs sitting there, right? And I can't remember what kind they were. They weren't the ones with the wrappers. They were just different kinds of little eggs, but you eat them, right? They're just, I don't know, little sweet eggs. And uh, my uncle, though, I don't know, he just brought with him for some reason these quail eggs, right? Yeah. And I looked at them. I'm like, those are really neat, you know? And I'm like, they kind of look like those ones. And my uncle's like, they sure do. It's like, you know, it's a light bulb moment. It's like, yeah, let's put them in there, right? And, of course, no one fell for it until my sister walks in, right? And my sister walks in that house. And, of course, the first words were, hey, D, do you want an egg? Oh, yeah, for sure, right? And there she goes. She grabs one of those eggs, and she grabs the quail egg. It's just the way it goes, right? She takes that puppy puts it in her mouth, and I mean, yoke is coming down her chin. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting and nasty, and of course, what are we doing? Laughing our head off. Absolutely, and I do it all over again, right? I abs- I've tried many times, trust me. She has learned from that moment, and that's part of the point, is I mean, sometimes we realize the enemy's doing this stuff. Right? Now, I'm proud to say, sister, you've learned from it. You've never fallen for the quail egg trick again. And I think that's something we need to take into consideration is have we actually begin to realize when the enemy is trying this stuff? Or do we just keep falling for the same thing over and over and over again? Well, that's a good question, right? We've got to figure this thing out. I mean, so every time that fear thing comes at you, Right? Man, are we going to figure out how to actually get through this stuff so we don't keep falling into the same thing over and over and over and over and over again? I think there's a point where we need to realize this, right? Is if we keep letting the wrong things in, right? It's kind of like, uh, I'm sure some of you have done this, right? Anybody got a weed eater or a chainsaw or something? And you didn't actually mix the oil and the gas ratio properly? Who's done it? Put your hand up. I know it's, yes, thank you, right there. And that is an arborist, right? I mean, the reality is this. If you don't actually do it properly, it's not going to function properly. And this is part of our journey. And so this is what I want to talk about today is what source are you connected to? Are you sure you're connected to the right one? Or have you actually aligned with the wrong source in certain places of your life? Because the reality is this. If you're hooked up to the wrong source... Your performance shifts, your lifestyle shifts, everything shifts, right? And some of you have experienced that, right? So I brought something with me today over here. How many of you like grapes? Paul, can you come up here and help me? Just open this thing up. All right, you're going to hold this for a second. Those are good grapes, okay? And uh, let's just do this real quick. Whoop. No, no, that's okay. Leave that one right there. That's perfect. Who wants some grapes? Anybody? All right, I'll give some to Ben. I'll give some to you, Galen, for sure. All right. We'll give some away because there's just too many here. Give me a couple more. That's a big one. You want that? You got to share with some others, though. And there's some kids there. I mean, we're going to start a fight here in a second, right? Okay. All right. Oh. Who wants some more grapes? Oh, there you go, Miranda. You get the one little guy. Hey, that's a nice little one. Okay. So, thanks, Paul, for holding these grapes for me. You can put some of it over there and let me hold this one here. All right, good. We'll give the rest of the way. Rest away. I got these this morning thanks to Andrea and Vernon. I uh, forgot, and I phoned like four or five people today. Sean's probably wondering, why does this guy want grapes? What's the grapes about? Well, here's what the grapes are about, all right? Uh, So I got some grapes, and I want to read a uh, scripture to you out of John 15, verse 5. And I think most of us probably know this one. It says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers away. Where did our friend go? Paul kicked it. Where did he kick it? Okay, thank you very much. We're going to take this guy and just do this, though. There. Because some of you, I know this for a fact, right? You have grapes at home, and you have grapes in your fridge and all that stuff. And eventually, what happens to the grapes? They die. They wither away, and they just die, right? Because they're actually not meant to be like that one right there. So I just want to read a couple things to you. Um, so what does it mean to actually remain or abide in the Lord? And so just a couple points about grapes. A grape branch exists and accomplishes its purpose only if it stays what? Attached to the vine, right? That's it. So as soon as it's not attached to the vine, what happens? Well, it dies, but all the nourishment, all those things, everything that grape needs to survive is now separated, right? Done. That's just the way it is. Okay, um... We are great branches that must continually stay connected to him in order to receive life, getting nourishment from him, the true vine, or will wither and die. To remain or abide in the Lord is to stay attached to him in what? Everything. Right? We have to stay attached to him, actually, in everything. Not just a couple things. In every single thing. We need to stay attached to him. I think that's part of the problem. I don't know if any of you feel like that right now. Like, in your journey, it's like, man, I feel like I'm like that grape. I feel like I'm withering away. It's just not the way it used to be. There's a reality behind that. I think for some of us, the reality is this, is we've done some of this without noticing, right? And we've attached ourselves to a different source. I want to read to you from Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. It says this. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. And the NIV says this. Mark out a straight path for your feet and don't get sidetracked. Stay on that path. Now, I want to use this little chart for you, okay? Can everybody see this? You guys can't, can you? So I'll do a little shift. Don't worry. You guys will all get to see it at some point here. All right. So here it is. All right. So we got a God here at the top. We've got our faith, whatever, right? So, uh, let's throw in some other stuff too. Visions and dreams and all this kind of stuff. So we're supposed to mark out that straight path, you know. And where do our dreams come from? From God, visions come from God, so we can kind of put this together, right? They should all come from God. But this is supposed to be our journey right here, right? Right? Can you guys all see that over here too? That's supposed to be our journey. But I think we all know in reality our journey kind of ends up like this. Right? Does that make sense? Is anybody that, is that your journey for anybody? Okay. Okay, no, that's good to know. So here's the thing, though, right? Because we're all meant to walk a certain way, which means this. We're all meant to draw from what? One source. That source being? Right. That's the source. That's it. If we draw from that source, everything actually stays in alignment. Everything actually functions properly. Everything actually works. Right? It doesn't mean it's easy, but it works. Right? Because he gives us things like faith. He gives us hope, right? He teaches us how to endure and to overcome current situations and circumstances only if we're fully attached to him. But as soon as we start to disengage with him, he fills it with, he doesn't fill it, but the enemy fills it with something else. Fear, doubt. We'll get on the other stuff. Let's, let's mark this down, actually. Anger. Fear, doubt. I mean, we could put hatred in here too. Let's do this one too. Unforgiveness all of a sudden. Anybody get to that state where it gets harder and harder and harder to forgive somebody? 
right? It's just like it's not a natural byproduct of your thinking anymore. All of a sudden, it's resentment and something else. Let me tell you something. If all of a sudden this is not your natural thinking, there is another source that's in there, right? There's another source in there. So there's other things in here, too. I mean, we can do, what else gets in here? I mean, uh, sin, right? All these unhealthy choices and decisions that we make. I don't know, getting drunk, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to fill in the blank, right? There's all these different things in there. But in reality, what do each of these things do? When we actually start to draw from them, it creates something. What does it create? Okay, you guys. Over there, can you see it now? Kind of? All right, I know I forgot about you guys over there. Here is the reality as soon as we start to function in these things, they all create separation between us and God. That's what happens. That's why the Bible says this again. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Right? Do not turn to the right or the left. Stay straight. Keep your feet from following wrong. Because as soon as we actually begin to shift and to turn in those directions, we're creating separation between us and God. What happens when we create separation between us and God? I mean, somebody else moves in. Somebody else starts filling you with lies. Someone else starts filling you with deceit. Someone else is trying to trick you. Someone else is trying to do all those things. I mean, all this stuff to me, in a sense, though, when we look at it, these are the cultures of the world. Are they not? This is what the world does. Right? Unforgiveness. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be mad. That's not a kingdom of heaven principle. There's no way in the world it is, right? I mean, mean, that is totally from this culture, from the world. It's not from him. None of these things are from him, right? And so let's read a scripture verse in Romans 12 too. We're all familiar with this one. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Do you know what the customs of this world really are? It's a godless system. That's what it is. And if we invite a godless system into our life, It just doesn't work because there is a design. One design, one source that gives life to everything. And as soon as we deviate from that source, we actually begin to jump into a godless system. And it's a system that, let's just say it out loud, it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. Right? We have to catch that because there's a temptation sometimes to fall into that system. Right? We know that every single day the enemy is trying to conform you to that system. He's trying to trick you. That is his job. Right? If he can create some resentment, if he can create this, if he can create that, that is his job. Every day, division, hatred, anger. If he can get you to align with that system, he's done his job. We're not meant to align with that system. I think at times, too, the enemy tells us that if you draw from that system, things will feel better and get better. It's the lie. I'm just going to give you a few examples, right? Uh, If I pull away from people, I can avoid problems, and nobody will hurt me. I mean, Mark's been hammering this one lately, left and right, that we got to love each other. The enemy loves to isolate. But again, the word of God says the opposite, right? Our love for one another is how the world will know. We have to love. Uh, I'll pretend the problem isn't here. It'll eventually go away. I mean, so many of us, we hide our issues and our problems. We pretend they don't exist, yet the word tells us to bring everything to the, to the cross, to the light, right? 
One system works, one system doesn't work. If I get more money or the newest toys, things will be better. Sorry, it'll last so long, and then that one dies too, because we're not actually to be drawn to the things of this world. And the one I want to touch on a little more here is the enemy tells us not to forgive, to harbor resentment. Why does the enemy do that? To create division. That's what he wants. So I actually want to just camp here for a minute, if that's all right. Um, Because someone shared a story to me about forgiveness. And I think it's important to actually share that with you guys, because I think this is one of the tough ones. Right? I think this is one of the ones that we, we hear the lies of the enemy. And I've got to be honest with you. I'm kind of in the middle of this myself. I'm working through some stuff with my dad. I've been working through it for about 12 years with my dad. It has not been easy. Right? It's been really, really hard. And I, I actually have to admit is I think I've definitely grabbed on to some resentment and anger. Right? I keep telling myself I haven't. But I, I definitely think there's some of that. Now, I don't want to get too far into it. I've shared my story about that before, but we haven't been in relation for probably, I don't know, 12 years, right? My dad disowned me years and years and years ago, right? So I, I could build a lot of resentment and stuff in my heart, right? But someone shared a story with me just recently, and uh, they're sharing a story about their childhood and stuff like that and their family, And uh, they're saying that this one specific brother was treated very poorly by his dad, right? Very poorly. In fact, his dad had, in a sense, abused him, whether it was verbally, maybe a little bit physically too, and stuff like that. But this brother felt like the other brother got away with everything, right? He was never disciplined. He never did anything wrong. You know, he always got favor from dad, right? So all these years go by, years and years and years and years go by. And all of a sudden, these two brothers are talking again as adults. And their, their fathers passed away. And they're talking about dad. And the one brother says, man, I had it hard. The younger one, the older one says, what are you talking about? You've never had it hard. You had it easy the whole time. From the beginning to the end, it was always easy for you. I had it hard. You know nothing about hard. And the younger brother looked at him and says, you have no clue. And he started to share stories with him. He shared one specific one. And the story he said was when he was downstairs actually in a church. And I don't know if anybody's done this before, but you just write on a board, so-and-so loves so-and-so. That's all he did. He was writing something on the board. He thought he was the only one downstairs. And his dad saw him do it. And his dad gave it to him. I mean, his dad gave it to him hard. Really hard. And the older brother that day said, I didn't know that happened to you. <laughs> I would never have guessed, ever, that that happened to you. Because you and, you and dad have always been so close, so good. And he looked at me and he says, do you know you were the same to me? You treated me poorly all the time. The younger brother saying to the older one, you treated me just as bad. You're going to say I didn't have it bad. You treated me just as bad too. And he knew he did. And the older brother asked him, so why did you keep coming back? Like, what was that all about? I, you're right. I did treat you poorly. Why did you keep coming back? And he looked at him and he said, because I forgave you before you did it. I loved you so much that I forgave you before you did. And I just wanted to be with you. I would have done anything to be with you. And he said, I do the same thing with that. I forgive him before he does it. And this individual looked at me and said, I have harbored resentment and bitterness my whole life. I'm done with that. Unforgiveness is a source we do not want to draw from. It's a source that brings one thing, death and division, right? And I, I hear these stories, and I think, God, you need to restore. And I'm going to stop for one second here. I think we need to pray into this. 
is I don't know how many here have a dysfunctional family. Can I, I know it's hard to do this. I was going to ask you to stand up <laughs> or put your hand up, right? Or, you know, I don't know. Is that appropriate, you think? Uh, you know what? Just in your heart. Maybe we'll do it that way. Right? But we need to pray into this uh, before I go on. So let's just bow our heads for a minute. Father God, right now, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in this room. There's a lot of family things that have gone the wrong way. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's, there's just a lot. And God, right now, we need you to come in by the power of your Holy Spirit. We need you to transform that. We need you to shift that. We need you to change that. We need you to actually begin to put a love in each of our hearts for each of these people that have wounded or hurt us in any way or form, God. I pray that the love of God would be there and that it would go forth and that it would shift and change these situations in Jesus' name, Father. We know love is the thing that can actually change and shift this stuff. So, God, I pray that you would place that in the bottom of our heart, and I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would break all resentment, that you would break all bitterness, that it would be gone in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one system that works, one vine. We have to be attached to that vine. That's it. If we're not attached to that vine, it's, it's like that grape. That's just the way it goes, right? Proverbs 3, 6 says this, Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and what? He'll make your path straight. Every single way. I mean, where's the eraser? I mean, this is it. Like, all this stuff, it, it has to go. It has to be gone. All those ways, we have to acknowledge him. Have to. In order for us to see this community shift, shifted, we got to catch this. We cannot be jumping onto this other source anymore because this other source is not from him. Uh, think of Jesus in the wilderness when he was tempted by the devil. What did he do? He declared the word of God. Right in those moments. <laughs> I, I often wonder, what would I have done in those situations? What would have I have said in that moment? Where would my mind have gone in those moments? I don't know. But I know what he did, and it's because he was connected to the right source. It was the very first thing that came from his heart. And so the very first thing I want to come from my heart when somebody does something to me that hurts me is forgiveness. That's what I want to happen right away. I want love to be the first thing that flows from me. Grace, mercy. I want that first. I don't want to jump on this other stuff. So we have to ask that question, what fills our thoughts? What fills our minds, right? Our actions are a result of what we think. That's a scary thing sometimes, <laughs> right? Because I look at some of the stuff I do or I, I think, this is in me. I, I, I don't want it in me anymore. And so how do you know if you're centered in God and he's in the right place? Well, I, I think the question comes back to, I'll give you a couple here, is what source do you draw from when you have an issue? Where does your brain go immediately? Does it draw on God or does it draw on another source for your provision, healing, freedom, and satisfaction? Where does it go? Does it go to something else first is the question. And you really have to ask that. Like, where does it go? I've had to ask this. Now, when I'm stressed, what do I do? Do I go straight to the TV? Do I do this? Do I do that? Where do I go in these moments? Or do I go straight to the Father? Because that's the source I need to go to. What do I do in those moments? And we almost need to do something like this where we can figure these things out so that we can start to deal with them. Does doubt consume our mind? And fear, again, like we sang about, does that, is that the thing that we draw on in that moment? It won't get better. This is horrible. Do we draw on that fear and that doubt? What is in the heart will overflow out, right? It's just the way it goes. I want to read a couple scriptures to you here. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Proverbs 10, 11, The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, 
but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. And we all know this one, Luke 4, 445. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God, what is in us? What source are we connected to? You know, and I know as we preach this, the thoughts go through my head. How is this possible? Can we actually do this? Well, we can because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Right? Because he is the source. He is the one that we need to be connected to. As soon as we start to draw on these other sources, it creates a domino effect of bad behavior, bad stuff. One step after another. It doesn't just start. We've got to catch that at the beginning, right? As soon as it's starting to enter in, we've got to catch that because it spirals out of control. And we don't want that stuff to spiral out of control. So I have two stories with before we, before we, we close here. But I was thinking about this, too, is, uh, man, I often think back to how it all began, right? Any of you do that? Right? Like, when I first got saved, it was so much better. And things were so good. And I was so on fire for God. And all this stuff was happening, right? And I was thinking about this, and I challenge myself with this. Is it's, it's not how it starts. That's not what matters, actually, anymore. It's a key moment, but it's how we finish this race that really matters. And for most of us, that's where we're at. Is how are we going to finish this race? What are we actually going to do? So I just want to share uh, two stories of two individuals in the Bible. One is Elijah. Everybody knows Elijah's story, right? Elijah's got a great story because Elijah had what I would say some of those mountaintop experiences, right? He was, I think he should have been, you know, through the moon in the sense with some of the things that happened. And so here's just a couple of them, right? In 1 Kings 17.1, he caused rain to stop for more than three years. Well, that'd be a pretty good moment, right? That should shift your faith and transform your faith forever, you would think, Right? First uh, Kings seventeen four, he fed ravens. He was fed by ravens. Sorry. First Kings seventeen fourteen, he saw a limitless jar of flour and a jug of oil. First Kings seventeen twenty two, he witnessed a widow's son resurrected. And in First Kings eighteen thirty eight, we all know this story: beat the prophets of Baal by calling down fire from heaven. I mean, this is a pretty good resume of things that have happened. And we all know the rest of the story, right? Is all of a sudden he hears that King Ahab is sending who after him? Jezebel. And what does he do? He runs. He hides in a cave. Don't you see what's going on with me? Depressed. I don't know what's going through his mind. All I know is it wasn't good. It was a hard time for him. And, of course, God encourages him. What are you doing in the cave? I think he's constantly doing that to us. What are you doing in the cave? We have the don't you remember whens, but that's not the point. It's where are we now? And I think the question comes back to it again is what source are we connected to? And the final one is this is I'm thinking of Peter. And you remember Peter, he, uh, he denied the Lord three times, right? This one's an interesting one because... He didn't think he was going to do this. And all of a sudden, this moment arises upon him where people are confronting him that you're the one. You're the one. And that fear creeps into his heart. No, I don't know him. I don't know him at all. First time. And then shortly after that, similar situation. I don't know him at all. A third time. I don't know him at all. Rooster crows. And then what does he do? He weeps. He weeps. Because he realized what he just did. Denying Christ. 
I'm thankful that in John we see that their connection, their relationship was restored. Right? It's restored. And we see that Peter goes on to do some pretty amazing things. I mean, Acts chapter 2. Pretty amazing stuff. So what I had to do is ask the Lord this. How many times have I done that? (laughs) How many times? Where I've said no to the source that I was meant to draw from in that moment. The good thing is this. Is it can be restored. Right? So I'm going to give you three words to end on. And this is what he challenged me with. Repent. Well, we've connected to these other sources. Renovate. We need our hearts to be fully renovated. And rebirth. And I feel like that's what God is speaking over this house today. Just repent for this. You don't have to sit here and dwell on it for hours. Right? That's what the enemy wants you to do again. All the Lord's saying is just repent for it. Renovate. Start the process. Look for all those areas that are not connected to the source. And then a rebirth is going to start, I believe, in every single one of your lives. This is what he wants. We're in that phase. We can no longer be in these other phases. It's too important for us to get healthy, to get right with him, to make sure he is the only source that we're connected with. I've got a lot of questions to ask myself. I'm going to challenge you to do the same thing. Because it's just too important. Right? Let's stand to our feet. Worship team, why don't you come forward? This is what it comes down to. Right? Right here. He is the vine. We have to stay connected to him. As soon as that disconnects happen, it shifts. So I'm not going to tell you to do anything today. This is your journey. We're just going to, I don't know, sing a couple songs here, a song or two, I don't know. But if you need to actually come before the Lord and say, Lord, I just need to repent, then do that. I'll be the first one up here. Because I know I need to. But I'm going to challenge you that when you leave here, that's not where it stops. Allow him to renovate your heart. Let that rebirth start. So I'm going to pray for you. My encouragement is this. Just do what you need to do. So Father, I thank you so much for who you are. For what you did for each and every one of us in this room. God, you died on that cross for us so that we could be saved. And Father, you have given us everything we need for true life. And Father, I pray today that where we have accepted any other source as a life form, that we would actually end that today. God, that we would repent for that. In fact, that we would flee it, that we would run from it with every single thing in us. And God, today that we would run to you, that we would just run to you. So Father, have your way. So the altars are open if you need to come, just to be before him. But let's just take a minute and sing whatever the worship team has for us, and then we'll get ready to close. So, Father God, we choose you. It's really what it comes down to is just choosing you in everything. That's our heart's desire, God. And we need you 
to help us to do this. So, Father, I just pray for each one in this room that as they leave from this place, that you would walk with them, that you would guide them, that you would lead them, that discouragement would not take root, but you would free them from any bondage that the enemy tries to throw against them. But, Father, may we truly walk with you the way we're meant to, in Jesus' name. Service is concluded now, but if you need prayer, we want you to feel the freedom to come up. We're just going to linger a little bit more in worship. And so our team's here to pray for you, but be blessed.